This episode is brought to you by MeUndies, the most comfortable underwear you will ever wear, and you can try it yourself at MeUndies.com slash thumbs and get 20% off your first order and free shipping. Thanks, MeUndies. I'm sorry that I cannot um, airplane phone my airplane mode my phone today because, a, because a tow truck driver might show up in the middle of this episode to take my car away, which will be captured on the air, and then everyone will be happy about it. <laughs> oh, everybody I love that. I love that GTA 4 does that. That oh, yeah. was like a little cell phone. If you're driving in your car and your cell phone's about to go off, your the radio goes right before the cell phone rings. It's really good. It's really convincing. Yeah, it's great. Jake, are you tired of old, saggy underwear? Yeah, I can sound like Jake. Uh, 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 um. That sounds like Sean. Are you kidding me? February 5th, 2015. This is Idle Thumbs 197. I'm Chris Remo. It's February 4th, 2015. This is Idle Thumbs 197. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Sean Vanneman. I'm Jake Rodkin. And I'm Danielle Riendo. And here we are on this fine morning. Morning cast. Sets upon our microphones. Shorting them out. Sorry, podcast (laughs) over. I've just been playing Jake's Wii U. I don't really have much to to say about that. Except I can't figure out how it actually works. Like as a piece of hardware. Oh man. Well, you don't know like how integrated circuits work? Because I don't I don't (laughs) know. I just mean Sean (laughs) Fanaman, console dad, can't turn on his PS4. Don't doesn't know how this Wii works. Watch this Nintendo. (laughs) Like like the box in the 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 iPad just get out of sync. And like I try to turn one on and turn the, the other box one off. and the paddle don't talk to each other. I know. I know. <laughs> it froze, so uh, I put a blanket on I it. I just wish I had a kid who could show me how to do it. It's like what is the thing that you're not able to do that you want to be able to? Oftentimes, do? so okay, Jake. What is this? Is okay. The box is actually processing the game. I yes. assume. Yes. The iPad controller me? is just the controller. Yeah, yeah. and it just, I yeah. get confused because you don't. You can just be like. And walk away with the- yeah, but it eventually loses connection because it's, yeah, it's totally just sending an it's, okay. it's not even Wi Fi. It's like just a total it's short like a distance. Wave bird. It's like it basically it's has Nintendo. It tooth. has like it has like yeah, it's, it's Luigi ba- Tooth. It's basically <laughs> yes, yeah, Lou Tooth. Oh. <laughs> what 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 about New Tooth? Nintendo. Oh God, it's New Tooth. Yeah, no, that's the one they release. That's oh, right. I think you mean Mewtwo. No, it's Mewtwo. It's way more Mewtwo than anything Mewtooth. else. Mewtwo. Oh, gross. <laughs> yes. I'm gonna go break my Wii U so you can't have it anymore. <laughs> no, I think that it's just it's very similar to to whatever. Yeah, just a WaveBird or something, or just a wireless controller uses. But they also blast video over it. I sometimes it though they their relationship is poor in my house. Yeah, where your the Wii U box and the that's because that house is just made thing. of chicken wire, I think. Like, that house is where you, like, if you strip <laughs> the walls true. apart, you it would look like those images of, like, yeah. where, um, <laughs> like, remember when the iPhone 4 antenna thing happened and Apple was like, no, 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 we have the best antenna testing facilities. And it was just this weird, crazy, like, 
Do you not remember that? I, I do remember, remember that. I don't not remember I just that. imagine that's just what your house would look like if you stripped the thing down. What it's was just weird like and crazy about it? It was. It don't looked, leave me hanging. It looked like uh, like a geodesic dome with all like, like the spiky, hyper-colored foam walls like the, the like dark secret chamber of spies. <laughs> it stuff. looked like the end of Sphere. <laughs> it, looked like, like, it looked like oh, the end nice. of Sphere meets yeah. the like council room from... Uh, Episode one? No. Or whatever. My brain is just totally blanked on Tinker of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Oh, okay. Mm, yeah. oh, okay, okay. But then also just a weird like shark cage. So <laughs> yeah, my house isn't good with signals. But like Wi-Fi, just that house just eats it. Yeah. So I imagine it also eats Mewtooth. Mm. It does. But uh, I don't know. I really like that Mario game. You talked about it a lot. 3D World. Yeah, it's, it's good. Whatever. I meant to write a Goaty.cx up for it, and I didn't. Mm. My name even shows up as a list of people who contributed to Goaty.cx of that year, and then I don't have a thing. Do you think there. Nintendo is over, like, consciously overdoing the sort of like, like, cheeky gaiety of it all? Though, like, it seems like Mario. With the cats. <laughs> just the cats <laughs> and the sort of like, like the sort of like, like hip cocked poses at the end of a thing. Like, it's all fun and light, but it feels like it's, like, getting to the point of self-parody. The place, I feel that it's like way Christopher about, Walken now. I feel that, yeah, I feel that way about a certain strain of, like, commercial product in our in the culture right now, just in general. I feel like the, the whole kind of just, like, just don't worry about it. Just everything's kind of fun and great. Like, there, <laughs> yeah. there's a whole thread to that in, like, current marketing and product design culture that is becoming incredibly great it's I funny because i don't i don't think that's yeah. the same thing though i was gonna say that yeah. okay because that that the way that nintendo is doing this feels like uh, a tone deaf version of like i've watched the vhs tape that you would send to a kid to try to get them to go to walt disney world in 1997 <laughs> where like costumed mickey is on top of epcot just sort of like waving his body around <laughs> and like that's just how mario moves all the time that's how the music okay, is yeah. all the time like it feels like they're just like how does disney make mickey mouse look Except that Mickey Mouse isn't actually a character in anything anymore. He's yeah. just his job is just to dance around like that. So it's really strange when it's in Mario. Like, but I like, can't tell because Nintendo isn't capable of winking at the camera. Like Nintendo oh, no. doesn't have that in their repertoire, either well, culturally do. or as a as a mm, company ethos. They do, but not, not really in that truly. way. They do do in certain games, right? The Mario RPG ones, sure, but those are actually like comedy games. I think they do them in, in any of the games that are slightly off the beaten path. They yeah. get a little more sassy with it. Yeah. But mainline Mario is just it feels like they're just like Mario is Mickey Mouse. That's what it always feels like to me. But that's. That's different than the than like the like sort of that everything's happy just be happy attitude feels like that comes from like disingenuous tech company <laughs> rhetoric to me. But then it sort of bled out into the community, like into I everything. I think it's a larger where, generational thing, but yeah, like just every company that could at one point have had an ad brief that has basically a Zoe Deschanel ripoff <laughs> singing on a ukulele as like little hand drawn things like. <laughs> Well, that's just like tweet happens. culture, right? I yeah, mean, that's like, not what I'm talking about. Necessarily. I know, but like that—that that seems like the thing that blends into everything's happy, just be chill stuff. Whereas Mario dancing around feels different than that. Okay, so there's enough. a really good question here, and that is sort of when Mario. I mean, Mario games used to be really trippy, like really, really. Trippy. I mean, it used to be those cat outfits. Okay, they still are, but it, <laughs> riding around a giant. I mean, there's shoe. a huge tone change between like <laughs> Super Mario World, where it's you know funky and like if you beat star world everything turns into a pumpkin right where everyone's suddenly wearing like, masks of mario's happy, face cute. yeah exactly and then it becomes like happy cute dancing like there is i and i can't really pinpoint exactly where that happened i think it's when um charles martinette started voicing mario i think that's it's mario 64 
Mario 64 yeah, is the right. most. It is, because at that point, when, when like when Mario is silent, I'm not saying that there's like a weird darkness to Mario games, but they're very ambiguous as to how they're intended to be perceived. I mean, the, like... Right. Well, Mario is just a guy. Yeah, Mario's just... Yeah. Right. Who's excited about things. <laughs> it's really different than Mario just like moving through the world as an avatar. Th- I, th- sure. I think that it is the voice of Mario that came about with Mario 64, though, because when they did Super Mario Advance, which was when they ported Mario 2, 3, uh, World to the Game Boy... They put all the voices in, so it meant that you were playing Mario World or Mario Three, and every time you jumped, you'd hear "Woohoo!" Oh like, god! Whoa! It's so different. It yeah, totally it really feels is. different. It's funny because, like, well, like Super Mario, like um, Super Mario sixty four, doesn't feel as cockamamie and surrealist because the premise is such. Like, you start off, and it's very, it's actually really grounded. You're just going into a castle, and there is a princess trapped in the keep. Yeah. But then you leap into paintings. You leap into paintings, but that mode of leaping into paintings means that like this is magical and surreal, right? Like you're 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 stepping into a magical world. I don't know why I'm fucking talking. I know. I know. You're like (laughs) the the actual fiction is giving you a reason why it is surreal. Yeah, and it feels like it feels like a world map that contains madness. Right. 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 Also, oscillating between those two modes of a world map that is an abstract, like almost like like board game. Of crazy, like in 3D world, yeah, or whatever the fiction of Galaxy is. But even Galaxy, is- <laughs> even Galaxy has those abstracted just chunks of object. But like, yes, am I yeah. incorrect? In I could be totally wrong about this because I mean, I'm sure all you guys have played more Mario games than I have. But isn't is Mario 64 the first one where there's actually like exposition at the beginning? Like you get a note from Peach and she's like, "I baked you a cake" or whatever. And there's actually like. Mario has a goal like in Mario three. No, actually, you I mean, mean Mario one? Stolen. Yeah, it, there's little notes and things right in the beginning of Super Mario Brothers. No, it's not. No way. Mario one just says Super Mario Brothers. You press start. It says World one one. You're okay. live, and it goes do 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 okay. do do do. That's it. They added a lot of stuff over the years. Like if you play the Game Boy versions, they have opening cutscenes added to some of them and uh, stuff yeah. like. Um, I but think there's still, there's the still princesses or... in another castle. Yeah. There's still fiction. But that's, but that's it. That's like that's coming out of nowhere. That's right. like that's you just sure. do a bunch of shit, then suddenly it's and then like all of a sudden the princess she's... Yeah, the princess castle. in another like, castle is, is in the same league as you're playing Zelda One, and you walk into a room, and the guy says it's dangerous to go alone. Take this, right. and you're like, oh, it's like totally elemental. Okay. Although yeah, yeah. Zelda One actually has like a four screen height narrative scroll. Yeah, yeah. I don't think those are really comparable. But just I just meant that in game messaging. Yeah, yeah. But. I don't think so. I mean, Mario 2 has story, but it's because they had to totally retcon Mario 2 into being a Mario game because it's, yeah. it's a reskin of Doki Doki yeah. Panic. Like, if you don't press start, it says, like, Mario. and they, I think it's another one where they're at a goddamn picnic, but Mario, like, <laughs> uh, ha- oh, has, a, has a dream that he was falling and went through a strange door and entered a strange world or something. And then you press start and he falls and enters a strange right. door. Okay, but, so I didn't really play that one. So I guess... But, so, no, you're right. No, I'm not saying... I was just saying that's why I didn't... The, the first thing that was the closest to that. a cutscene in a Mario game was in, in 64, really. Yeah. And that, There's like that Yoshi's Island fundamentally stuff. Ch- well, but I, I'm like, gotta take care of the babies. Oh, you're right, man. Yeah. You're right. That stuff like did that. creep into later stuff because... Um, like, it was... They started to lay, that's lay the That's because Yoshi's Island was that. a prequel, so it did have yeah. that stuff. It yeah. had... Um, there was a little music box that told a story about how the stork accidentally dropped some babies. And my RPG for Super NES was like a hardcore like, story. Yeah, so like, like I, I know like it's a completely different thing. mode of game, but it feels like the N sixty Super Mario sixty four had like they yeah. sort of pushed out the boundaries of what a Mario game could be. So when Mario sixty four came out, it was like no, we're telling a story. And I think that's probably by the, I think there's probably a subconscious 
desire to want to do that when you go 3D because yep. it just feels like oh this yeah, is cinema. Suddenly you have to, suddenly you actually have to abide by the laws of physics at least nominally. Whereas in mm-hmm. 2D you don't. You can just have a block floating in 2D and it doesn't mean anything. But right. in 3D, if you have something floating, it's like is it an island that's like floating there? Like it suddenly everything becomes more concrete. It's why you I've, can't play with just like completely invented perspective the way you, you can in 2D. Mario 3D Land and 3D World are really enjoyable to me because of that because they mm-hmm. just kind of said, "Okay, fuck it. We're not they don't they don't give you the full free camera that you get from 64, that's which the is the only of, reason they can do that, really, I assume, right?" That's not entirely the case because the game fades in and out between different camera modes. So there are times okay. when it just works like that. I think they just sort of said, "Uh, the reason that Mario games are actually kind of appealing is because of the fact that they just don't care about that stuff." So there's kind of some land constructs, but then it's just like there's just floating blocks and weird things that flip around and everything. They're just, but they're just floating in the air. Like they just yeah. don't, they mm-hmm. just don't care about it. It's and funny because I played this new Mario with two people who hadn't, who had pl- played Mario Galaxy, mm-hmm. who had played Super Mario sixty four and Mario Galaxy. And those hmm. were only and like and everything on the NES. Okay. And that was pretty much their body. Like they're all That's everything funny, they though, knew about Mario. Three D World is actually kind of the closest you get to a mix of Galaxy and the NES Mario. Sure, yeah, but Three D World is way. That's the new one. Yeah, Three D World is just that's the one I'm playing. I just don't even know anymore. Nintendo can't <laughs> fucking name anything. Um, it was way too much for them. As like, far as like the woohoo's and stuff. Or? No, just like too the actual much gameplay? everything oh man coming out of the screen the rules of what you could do you're a, you're a cat in the first world that's great yeah. what level one one you're like, rare, rare. like it was just far too much <laughs> and then it wasn't until um luke was like oh we have to just get all of the green stars like that's our goal like that's yep. our personal we're not moving on until we get all three green stars mm-hmm. but it just felt like a mario game to them but okay. it was like i saw chelsea and luke just like grabbing for anything that was just like a concrete thing that they could latch on to. It's funny because 3D World is definitely a game for people who have played a million Mario games because it's basically Can you just... imagine if that was your first video game? Oh, God. The thing is, I think that's... In some ways, that's probably close to an experience you'd get if you had you not ever played a video game and played Mario 1, except that Mario 1 is so much more approachable since it's 2D. But even then, Mario 1... I mean, like, NES Mario? Yeah, yes. Still stacks the rules of Mario so slowly. That's true. You get a big mushroom for, like... Yeah, no, you you're know, right. Like, like, you don't get fireballs until World 2, I don't no, think. No, you get fireballs in no, there pretty early. Yeah. Oh, you do? Okay. But, like, World 1-1 one, one is really good you at teaching get... how to play in Mario 1. Yeah, in new... Like, the, like uh, Mario 3D World, that concept of, okay, I have... I'm big, but when I get the cat bell... I get one that goes in my stash and then I can make that come out and I have to think about when to use that is just like that game assumes you've played so much Mario, which I think is great. But I sat there thinking about if I hadn't ever played a video game before. Yep. This is just it's absolute chaos. It's absolutely which is weird for a Nintendo game. In I my know. Opinion. That's why, I, very that's why I like that game a lot. There's a, there are a lot of people who don't like 3D World, but yeah. whatever. They're wrong. <laughs> So Apex was this weekend. What is also. what is that? Apex is a very high level Smash Brothers. <gasps> More Mario talk. I'm sorry. <laughs> I Mario's just Nintendo. one of the many not, components of Smash not Brothers. Not a single person in the tournament played as Mario. <laughs> is Mario in the meta right now? <laughs> Probably. Is Mario what in the meta right now? I, I guess. When is Mario ever in the meta? Who who? I know nothing about Smash except that person who won the, a round of this like was crowd surfed. Through a sea of really excited Smash fans, which made me really excited to see on Twitter. See, that's the part that I really like because I'm I'm interested in Smash, but I'm much more interested in sort of the the bizarre and interesting culture around it, and mm-hmm. and like how 
long lasting the melee, which is the GameCube version has been Mm -hmm. like that was the thing people were really excited about this year at the tournament actually there was a whole thing about it the original venue caught on fire and they had to relocate last minute to like some random place in new jersey all this drama sort of surrounded oh i heard about that it was originally going to be in los angeles (laughs) yeah right basically it was um so patricia was there she was actually there covering it and everything um and i was getting dispatches from the field you know as it was going on that sort of thing um you know, I just th- I just think it's interesting. I I think that it's interesting that Melee was more popular than the new Super Smash Brothers, which yeah. it has a competitive like Yeah, that's been consistent through two Smash Brothers is now though. We've talked about that. And I like, kind of thought that this one would be more popular nope. with the competitive set because it they kind of got rid of some of the stuff. Like Brawl wasn't great for the competitive set. Those people are never going to leave that game at this point, I don't love think. It. They I just mean, love it so much. Playing Super Smash Bros. Melee on a CRT television is just how that goes, and that's how it's just going to be <laughs> until the end of time. Forever and ever. But it's cool that there's enough of a scene that there's a big competition for it, and not just like as the novelty guest spot inside of yeah. Evo, which is It was of, a big deal. Yeah, it was that, huge. Uh, yeah, it was a big deal. I was, uh, saw the guys at Twitch talking about it quite a bit. It's cool. One thing that was crazy, um, the person who won the new, whatever, Smash Brothers for for Wii U, I guess, is the official name of it. Um, the person who won that was actually booed because it was sort of like, okay, now we can't actually watch the melee version. You know, like he, what? they were things were running late because again, like the fire kind of set everything off and organizing the event was a nightmare. And so things were the schedule was off, so Smash Melee was supposed to happen at a certain hour, and that's what everybody was excited for. But instead, because of all this sort of stuff. Oh, they ran a tournament for the Wii U version. Yes. And it just got booed. And nobody cared. (laughs) And basically, people were like, you know, they just didn't even care when somebody won. And he, you know, he was like the grand winner and he had the trophy and everything. And people were just like, Melee! And apparently, he was just kind of like, Where's your wave bird? I'm using a wave bird. (laughs) (laughs) Basically. There's a crazy gray market, or black, I guess, gray market for the, the hubs. Those wave oh, yeah, there is. Jake class, has two of them. Classic because Nintendo forum. They made they made just uh, enough of them to be annoying. Yeah, right. yeah. 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 It's Nintendo really has bad. been doing that for years, including with actual video games. Yeah, it's, like Pikmin it, Two. Yeah, and Metroid Prime Trilogy. Just, yeah, there's yeah. so yeah. many games where they they will publish. They just sort of decide in advance, like we're not going to sell a lot of these. Uh, which is fine. I mean, that's what you have to do. Right, the but then when you, you do sell a lot of them, you like, sell them out. Turn the machine back on. Keep <laughs> making them. Like, exactly. Like, it's really strange. They do it all the time. And they, they, Sorry, they're already Nintendo, making Amiibos in that factory. Yeah, so, yeah basically. Uh, that's true. <laughs> Nintendo also frequently, I feel like, does a thing where they sort of quietly only sell things through one exclusive retail partner, but then just don't really tell anyone. You just have to sort of find out that, like, oh, I can only buy this one thing from Best Buy for some reason. <laughs> and it's not even, like, Best Buy promoting it as a thing because you can't promote, like weird hub peripheral as like a cool exclusive Best Buy thing. It's just only there and then they sell out and you can never buy them again. It's a strange like Yeah, I'm so glad that I accidentally added that USB uh, to GameCube adapter into my Best Buy cart twice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I just, I had an order from the morning and then I went back and I was like, I didn't do that and I put it on my phone again and pressed submit and then I went to the store and they're like, "Uh, you bought two of these. It's like, goddamn right I did. (laughs) (laughs) Meant to do that. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Anyway, Smash Brothers. Cool. Mario Brothers, Smash Brothers. So many. Brothers I'm only today. playing three games, and I've like literally. 
And they all are brothers. Brothers. Every, uh, uh, Dota brothers. brothers. Yeah, Tale of Two Sons. Yeah. CSGO brothers. Nice. <laughs> did you guys see that the... This is not related, but did you guys see that the... Should have talked about this last week when it was more current, but the, the new finance minister of Greece was that guy that Valve employed oh, as their yeah. chief economist for like two oh, years right. or something. That's... What a crazy thing. I imagine all the jokes have been made about Greece opening hat stores and whatever else. Yeah. Right? Like that has to like <laughs> I'm sure. That has to all exist. It just but, it just blew my mind because I I I was watching all of the not watching on TV cuz who watches news on TV anymore? I guess some people probably. Old people do. Um, that's about it. I was I was just kind of reading about all the all the Greece stuff because uh I don't know, it was just big news a couple a couple weeks ago and I and then I saw that guy's name and I'm like weird like i actually know who an economist is like i was really like <laughs> proud of myself because i'm like i saw the name and i had the like recognition like oh wow like some like finance minister of a relatively like you know not like necessarily a major world economy at this point in the way that like you're a notable <laughs> nation in the history yeah, of but humanity I'm like, wow, it's like really great. head of things. tourism doug lombardi <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! What if it turns out that this is just like a slow, like creeping tentacle move for Valve to just acquire a well, sovereign Valve nation? Has so oh much money. money. And Greece has thought. so little money. Let me finish my, my other thought real quick because <laughs> okay. I may have I may have mis miscommunicated what I was saying about myself. I saw that and I was pleased with myself that I knew who this was. Oh, and then, then you said, I "Oh, it's a video game that guy." The reason <laughs> I knew who it was, yes, it's because I read that like, guy. Oh, I know a noted, I know a noted financier, financier. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh no. I'm just, oh no, it's I'm just because he were, was working on that Steam <laughs> stuff. He made Steam sales profitable. Yeah. Valve could probably buy the entire city of Athens straight cash. Just probably, probably. If the, if the if the new TF2 update has like an Acropolis map, you gotta like <laughs> pay attention. <laughs> the at signs point, are all there. At this point, the way that Valve has gone, I I can see jokes related to that making them making their way into TF2, right? Because isn't so much yeah. of that stuff just community driven at this point? It seems like it. it yeah. Well, Valve has a little bit of control over what's going on with TF2, but a lot of it is just it how, on how open the floodgates are. But I also are. could just see that becoming just some like tongue in cheek. Yeah, thing that even Valve themselves sort of like um, makes Australian, I guess man. Yeah, ma- yeah. the man, all stuff. the manco stuff in Australian yeah. Christmas. That's all because Robin Walker is from exactly. Australia. Right. That's, that's right. what I mean. That's stuff yeah, yeah. driven in by the same the, vein. Dri- right. Driven, yeah. It's driven by the creatives at Valve, but then sort of brought to like, light, like by the attached by the community. I got briefly incredibly excited by Team Fortress Two again because what. Uh, because uh, I just was like, oh, I'll go check out the site and see what's going on with TF Two, and they. The, the most recent update was, hey, guys, we have a beta of a new game mode that we're testing. It's a mode which is um, derived from Capture the Flag, but there are various tokens out in the world that give your characters buffs of different styles, and everyone has a grappling hook. And I was just like, what? What? This is just like... This is like it just basically turned it into exactly what it felt like if you were playing old, original Team Fortress... But then you just glommed three other shitty mods into the same Quake mod directory and just hoped that all of the different Quake C files would not step on each other and you could just run this disgusting right. amount. And that's what it feels like. And it's like it's not good, but it is fun because it's just like, what if TF2 was a hot mess the same way that basically games of uh, it, it, its, uh, you know, its history were? But then I went on the forums because I played a couple rounds and got excited about it. And it was just like, uh, it was nothing but people complaining, saying Valve introduced this like a month or two months ago and then they put out a couple updates to it and now we haven't heard from them 
and the TF2 website isn't updated at all. Hmm. That exact same. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that, that exact same thing is going on in Dota right now. It's bumming people really? out. Really, people are really bummed. Yeah, wow. that's There's, strange. Yeah, well, there's all these features in the client right now that just don't do anything anymore. You used to like gain levels, and as you gain levels, you would get like a prize every five levels. That's done, but you still gain levels. You're still getting like points every time you do a match, oh, but it weird. means nothing. It's like a vestigial. Yeah, there's all these. Elements. There's vestigial limbs all over the client right now, weird. and everybody's like. People are saying that, oh, they're moving Dota 2 to Source 2. That's what people are saying about TF2 as well. Is that right. there's, a, there's an in-house oh. effort to bump all these things up to a new engine. So all the stuff will get left behind. But right, right now, people just feel abandoned. Yeah. And something that's also happened is the they redid the entire like drop system in Dota 2. Hmm. So you don't get drops anymore. The only way to get in-game items is to just buy a chest or buy the item. Whoa, there's no free drops? No free drops of items and no free drops of chests. Hmm. So you that's to, crazy because that was the whole reason that it was okay that that game was free to play. There yeah. are no free drops now. You either just buy stuff or you play the game. Wow. What do you mean you or you play the game? You, you, there's no drops inside the game, period, of anything. So you don't get any new cosmetic items ever unless you spend money. Exactly right. <laughs> that's yeah. so crazy. That's shitty. Well, what, the downside of that is the... Everything. The, the marketplace. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. The... the, the so what happens the outcome when you your comments well, leave. This is, what I'm saying. this is exactly what I'm saying. The outcome of that <laughs> is that the TF2 item marketplace... You mean is, Dota 2. D- yeah, the Dota 2 item marketplace has fucking tanked by like 50%. All right, because there's, no, there's nothing to weigh it against. There's nothing going into because the market. It's just people like going to the store and it's just like the same yeah, way there's no why market for used tennis shoes. You just go to the store and buy tennis right, shoes. Right, because <laughs> yeah. if, if there's a free drop frequency, like a percent chance that you're going to get that item... That's the thing that you rate against the like. Otherwise, there's no, there's no like, yeah, there's no influx of anything, right? There's no, yeah. So like, weird. Yeah, it's really crazy. The market is just collapsing. I wonder if that's the case in TF2 as well. I feel like if they put that in TF2, I feel like if they put that in TF2, people would lose their minds because TF2 is. I mean, not that TF2 is nothing without that, but the way. Well, the Dota 2 community keeps pointing out that the CS:GO community is thriving, or the CS:GO marketplace is thriving because. Crates drop. You spend keys to get right, things. And there's so a rarity chance. Or whatever. That, like, All that stuff is gone. TF2's whole strange. thing wouldn't work without those things being drops because in TF2 they actually have mechanical properties. So if you only could buy that stuff, but otherwise yeah. through play you just were the stock character from yeah. you know 2008 or whatever. <laughs> woof. Interesting. <laughs> but like Valve, the tutorial s- system in in um, Dota is like been left behind. Like, there's a bunch of shit that's just sort of, like, dangling. I know, I know when did like, this happen? Like, is it's this just sort of, recent? Somebody or? just sort of, like, I was reading a forum about it, and there was a big post that sort of collected all the vestigial bullshit. This makes me really behind. curious as to what Valve's going to be doing at GDC in a few weeks, because Valve, last year, they went, it was it last year or two years ago, they went all in on CES, Steam Dev Days, they were just going crazy. Yeah, they didn't do any of that this year. And this year they said, we're not going to CES, we're saving all of our news for the Game Developers Conference. Oh, I didn't even see that. Okay. So stay tuned for that. Did they mention why Dev Days didn't happen or did they not? Just I, not I imagine that Dev Days didn't happen because they had nothing to announce. Yeah, yeah. Because like, what are the... Steam boxes, all anyone knows is from last Dev Days. Like that's, you know, <laughs> like the last time they talked about any that's of this true. stuff. But yeah. like right now it feels like, like, I hope there's a big wave that's going to break at GDC from Valve News because the receding waterline of on all of their games, their hardware announcements, their OS announcements, like just everything is just like, what? Yeah, but like going in, going into the TF2 community and seeing people just being like, where, Hello? where are you? Because like they did one big community update and that's what reminded me of that, Chris, when you said that. Like 
the last major TF2 thing was like, it was our second community update. And it was to the point that like, it had an animated film attached to it, but it was entirely made by the community and source filmmaker. Like it was all like the whole, the webpage, everything about it was a hundred percent community made. So then when valve was like, and what we're doing is an all new, like first class game mode for team four. Okay. Just kidding. We're gone for two months. And this absolute <laughs> silence. Like yeah. it just makes you imagine that office building just being empty, but you know, it's full of people crawling around doing something. Well, you know, so. I mean, it feels like they're living in this world of, if you think of how many irons they have in the fire, of how much shit that company's actually responsible for now, or at least has made themselves responsible for by announcing yeah. or like putting into beta, mm-hmm. there's still only like 300 people. Yeah. Like, yeah. Maybe they're all in Greece. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I saw an interview. I, I should have found this interview before the show. It didn't occur to me that I'd be talking about this on this particular episode. But I, I saw an interview with like Yanis... Whatever, what is his name? Uh, Verufakis, who's the you know their former economist, now the Greek finance minister, and he it was just a very tiny aside, like it was a tiny little thing where he's like Half Life Three shipping twenty sixteen. <laughs> 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 so he was like obviously mainly talking about his his goals for the Greek economy, but you know like one question asked him about the Valve thing, and he was just in just like a little thing. He was talking about kind of flat structures and and so on, and then he was saying he was talking about his like ideas and there's just a little moment where he said like all of this stuff maybe doesn't didn't work so well in an actual like for-profit corporation but like i would like to try a lot of these ideas in uh in a uh oh in, in, in like whatever it was just something like that and it just read like a weird like a tiny That's little just like thing about about well i read it to be the God, i can't describe it's I wish I just found the interview because I'm I'm doing a terrible job. But I read it as him like not being over the moon about the way Valve is managed. Right. Okay. So that to... the thing the thing that's interesting to me about that quote is it does pull back the curtain in a different way than I would have expected, which is that Valve like okay, so if Valve basically when they spent their time as just a silent black box that made money forever, <laughs> and it felt like you're like how the hell do they do that? And then when they kind of started talking around the time of the orange box, they're like, well, actually, what we have is a crazy in-house like psychologist who measures eye movement and we have our own economist and right. all these things. And then recently it's actually felt like that big black box is actually just like bouncing at a high speed off a cliff and down a hill, but it's still somehow every time it hits the ground, like gets twice as big and makes twice as much money and you don't know how <laughs> that happens. So to hear that guy leave and yeah. be the finance minister of Greece and be like, yeah, it didn't actually work. I don't think he meant it didn't work monetarily. I don't think he meant it didn't, wasn't profitable. Well, I guess I, it, I just mean like, it's, it sounds like the calculations and ideas that I had didn't they, – it, it, I don't know. It, it implies a not one-to-one correlation between their master plans and their success, which – maybe that's not the case. But that's, that feels like what Valve is I don't to know. me Val, still. Well, Val, it's like it's hard – well, one, like none of us are – no one has an inside view to that company, which makes – and like they're so much weirder than every other company <laughs> that that makes it even harder to like make any right yes. guesses about. But also – I think that Valve is – they just kind of – to some degree, their decisions on a day-to-day basis are less impactful than they would be at most companies because they're always – like for the for the foreseeable future, they're always going to have steam there. Right. It's, it's very much like Google and search where that thing is – search ads in Google are always just going to make the money forever. Google AdWords and <laughs> Valve has steam. But then the rest of the company just feels like it just is zigzagging crazily until it can find anything yeah. that sticks remotely like That's that. actually why I, I think it's a little bit disingenuous when Valve talks about – Things like we have the highest like 
revenue per employee or income per, or like profit per employee. Right. Like, but then it's like it's if like, you cut that's all not the game, really like, well, it's true if you just consider no, no. the Steam marketplace people like the Steam team <laughs> probably even the, like right. It's but it's just like that's just suddenly true mainly because of of because of Steam. Like right. I don't know if it's fair to like sort of get to sort of have that statistic that applies to your entire company when the real reason that's happening more than not that they wouldn't be profitable without that. I'm sure they still would be right. with TF2. If you're applying that but, as like proof, but as, as right. like a world beating, right, right, it's like, yeah. we're brilliant. Yeah. Anyway, actually the guy, our economist is now in charge of a country, which I guess you could spend to be profitable too. I got to go deal with my car. I'll be okay. Back. Let's take a break. Right. Car time. Cheese in it. Oh no, cheese car. Video <laughs> We would like to thank a sponsor that we had a while back and they're back this week and I think next week, uh, Pro Flowers. Valentine's Day is a couple weeks away, and Pro Flowers is a great way to. Not get even s- a couple weeks. Keep that in mind. Less than two weeks. Oh, yeah. It's next week. Ten days. Mm-hmm. Next week. Holy cow! Yeah, it's a great way to get somebody you care about uh, some beautiful flowers sent to their home, office, or where else could they be sent? Warehouse. Gym. Their gym. He's their pump, doctor's office. If they have a nice like Valentine's Day trip. Yeah, yeah pumping weights there. and get some yeah. flowers. Here she is sitting there like doing curls. What yeah. do you do at a gym? Yeah. yeah, I do a lot of curls. Pro Flowers actually just sent us um, some flowers, and they are beautiful. They come up like they're perfectly like well wrapped yeah. and taken care of. You mm-hmm. put them in the vase, and they just sort of it like, comes come with flower to life food instantly. Oh, flower yeah. food! Yeah, yeah. Um, I was really I, impressed with the like. I took them out of the box, and I was like, "Okay, these they're flowers." But then you once you put them in a vase, it's like, ta da! They like really they wake up. Yeah, they're great. Uh, so you can go to proflowers.com, click on the blue microphone in the top right corner and type in thumbs, uh, hundreds of blooms of love with a free glass vase for just nineteen ninety nine, And, um, you can upgrade to gourmet chocolates and a stuffed bear for $10 more. And you can use the code thumbs by clicking on the blue microphone. Thanks, proflowers. Thanks. Thank you. Video and if you want to just up your Valentine's game into... New and decadent levels. Uh, another returning sponsor is here. You may remember Sherry's Berries. They uh, will ship chocolate-covered strawberries to... I'm not going to go through the list of all the places they to can send them. To your gym, though. Suffice, <laughs> to your gym. Suffice definitely say, where I want those. Definitely home office at the minimum. <laughs> but, you know, other places with addresses as well. Um, <laughs> these things are great. We got more of them in the office the other day. They are delicious. They're strawberries with chocolate and other th- nuts, other chocolates studded on them, whatever. Um, they are delicious. You can go to uh, berries.com, B-E-R-R-I-E-S.com. Click the microphone in the top right corner. Type in thumbs. You're going to get a whole page of deals that you get as an Idle Thumbs listeners. Um, it's 40% off. Uh, you can get a like whole set for $19.99. Um, it's really good. It's great. They're delicious. We love them. Uh, the person that you love will also love them. Person you want to love, want to love, want like, to love you, will be like, impressed. You know. Maybe the person you hate, you can maybe upgrade to like begrudging respect. So <laughs> berries.com, click the microphone, type in thumbs, you'll get all kinds of deals. Thanks, Sherry's Berries. Video game. Uh, okay, so Andrew from Melbourne writes... Hi, we're back. That's not what he wrote, but we, but that's also true. <laughs> uh, he says, "Hey, Chris, I've been going through the Idle Thumbs back catalog recently, and I just came to you." 
Yeah. Well, God everybody take five. You, you always read the reader mail, so I understand. <laughs> well, I read it to you, because if it's just to you, it feels like that's better, right? If you want. Yeah, yeah I think I'd like that. Sean writes, um, what's the reader's name? Andrew from Melbourne writes to you, Chris. Hey, Chris. <clears throat> yeah, oh, hi there, Andrew. <laughs> hey, so I've been going through some of the Idle Thumbs back catalog recently and just came mm. across an episode where you mentioned playing Clax and you were looking for a version to be able to play at home. Yeah, that's true. Cool. Well, I'm not sure if someone has already sent this, though, but there was a port of it that was released on Game Boy Color that can be bought pretty cheaply. Huh. I still have a copy from when I got it years ago in my Game Boy Color for Christmas, and after listening to the podcast uh, when I went home, I started playing it and got addicted to it all over again. I hope this message finds you well. It does. Andrew from Melbourne. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. G'day, mate. <laughs> oh, man, is that what he said? <laughs> he does not say that. Oh, what he actually said is, and now I'm never writing it again. <laughs> what? Why? He spoke color with a U. I did. That's As lovely. Hmm. How was my Andrew from Melbourne? Pretty good? It's good. I, th- I mean, I don't know, but I would assume it's good. That's so- I mean, I hope it's good. You and Andrew sound the same. I get you confused all the time. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no. okay. Game Boy Color. I didn't. I couldn't remember when Game Boy Color came out, but it came out in 1998. So, it really 98. No. Game Boy wow, Color is 98. Okay. No, Game Boy Color was like I played. I played Half Life. I'm like, that's crazy because that was the <laughs> <laughs> yes. That was the first console I ever had. Was a Game, Game Boy, Boy Color. Color. Oh. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. cool. But so that means that the Game Boy Color Clax could still say uh, it is the 90s and there's whatever it is, there's time for Clax. Is that it is the 90s and there is time for Clax. Yeah, so it could still, it, it, there's, but not very much because it's like 1998 or 9 yeah. probably. Right. <laughs> there's 600 days left <laughs> for, for Clax. For Clax. <laughs> Man, yeah. yeah, no, I, uh, I would, I would be pretty pleased to have a like Game Boy Micro because you can still play Game Boy Color games in that, right? Oh man, I don't know the GBA Micro. I think that's still. Or was that the one where they cut it off? I'm not sure. Well, whatever the smallest Game Boy is, where it basically just has a Game Boy Color Clax cartridge, I would be I would be happy to have that. <laughs> I just bet that the around. smallest Game Boy Color that can play Clax is you just getting a Raspberry Pi and putting some controllers on it or some <laughs> buttons on it, and then just putting a Clax ROM into it. But if that's the yeah, case, I guess that's fuck true. that. Just run Mame Clax. Get the real Clax. You should build yourself <laughs> Clax to go. Now there's always time for Clax. <laughs> Nice. I don't know if a meme cabinet can be subtitled to go. No, I mean like like build get a, like a Raspberry Pi or something. Get oh. a, one, a little tiny oh, oh, integrated oh. circuit. Put yeah. meme on it. I thought you said I thought you switched from that to meme. No, no, no. I said I, I realized if you're building a little like yeah. t- tiny integrated circuit uh-huh. thing, why run the Game Boy emulator when you? I mean, can you, just... you can make it look like a cabinet. It could be a little tiny cabinet. You can make it look like the box art to <laughs> Clax, <laughs> which everyone should look up in their spare time. Yeah. Because oh. it is right there is the '90s and there is time for this Clax box art to the goddamn max. Oh, it's oh beautiful! My God. That is it's not beautiful. what I was expecting. The Clax box art is almost available from MeUndies as the '90s <laughs> uh, underwear pattern. <laughs> nice. Uh, all right, so um, let's see. We got multiple emails about games doing doing random things. So, uh, we, in, we're following up on our discussion last week about random chance. Of oh, a thing in a game. Oh, okay. yeah, the skeleton. Yeah. Yes. So Johnny Driggs, who is our valiant YouTube uploader, our and YouTube cataloger, archivist. Go to uh, if you want to watch our or listen to our podcast via YouTube with incre- extremely extensive annotations. You can go to youtube.com slash idle videos. That's all done by our buddy Johnny Driggs. Anyway, he writes, "Hey thumbs, your discussion of or, sorry, hello thumbs, your discussion of creating games that insert special content for a minuscule percentage of players made me consider how games are almost innately like this due to the existence of bugs. Of course, a lot of bugs are easily identified as such and don't have the same impact, but sometimes they can produce the same effect you were talking about. 
When I played Prince of Persia Sands of Time, I reached the end of the game when you're separated from Farah, your companion, throughout. The prince is trying to return to the top of the tower and he uh, and catches glimpses of her heading there herself. At one point, I saw her standing midway up a cliff. I thought, oh, that's cool. She's waiting for me. And Prince of Persia over there. I expected to trigger a cutscene, but she just stood around. She still had full AI, so she turned to face me whenever I stood, wherever I stood, but she remained totally silent. I couldn't tell if it was a weird dream sequence or I wasn't triggering something. Eventually, I left her where she was and made my way to the tower where she already was. Okay. It was never acknowledged, and I couldn't tell if it was a glitch or some weird story thing. Eventually, YouTube became a thing, and I looked up the sequence for myself. It turned out my experience was unique. So either Jordan Mechner beat you guys to the punch, or it was some random bug. Either way, it was a fun experience. The question is, did she say, fuck you, when, uh, yeah. he, when he got well, to her? let's wait for the next email. So, oh, <laughs> P.S., thanks for ma- mentioning the YouTube channel so much recently. I'm glad it's being used for something as cool as ThumbsDB. Sincerely, Johnny Driggs. Um, so, next email here. Oh, man, we have two more emails about this. Sorry. Um... This is not the one that's relevant to what you just said, Jake. Okay, so Marshall Cheney writes, Hi folks, your recent discovery about or discussion about building a game that would randomly mess with a small percentage of players reminded me of the Lionhead game, Black Lionhead game, Black and White. That was the God Sim, best known for the AI creature that would learn from you, but that's not the relevant bit. Uh, the game would look at your Outlook contacts and name little villagers after them. Outlook access also meant the game knew your name. In a seemingly unrelated feature, whenever one of your villagers died, a, a voice would whisper a creepy death. I can't remember how that was, even though I played that game, so I don't know if I was imitating it correctly. Um, Now for the fun part. If you were playing late at night and your first name happened to be about one of the 200 most common names, then sometimes when a villager died, the creepy voice would whisper your name instead. Oh. Keep up up the good work. Whoa. Marshall. Nice. That's good. P.S. Not too long ago, you mentioned the video of the guy with the three PS3s. That was actually a sketch from the comedy troupe Loading Ready Run. I bring this up because their Twitch channel... Um, specifically member James Turner's show is called Video Games with Video James. Just thought you'd appreciate that name. PPS, I'm one of the odd readers who found out about your Kickstarter from the announcement in the podcast RSS feed, in case you're still curious about that information. <laughs> We're not really, but it's interesting to know. Yeah. Thanks, Marshall. Uh, all right. So I have at least one more email about on the same topic here. Um, Eric Lehman writes, hey, guys, and Danielle. I was listening to episode 195's theoretical discussion about a developer randomly disrupting someone's game by inserting completely inappropriate profanity into an otherwise (laughs) innocuous situation. This call to mind grins 2009 Bionic Commando reboot, the 3D one, not the cool 2D remake. Like any late aughts action game, Bionic Commando delighted in subjecting the player to pre-fight dialogue sequences. If you died while fighting a boss, you'd be treated to all the dialogue that preceded it again and again until you either won or quit. In one particular instance, you have to fight this giant mecha worm thing. Your commander buzzes with some dialogue, stating... Spencer, there's no way out. You'll just have to fight it. After dying 10 or whatever, how many times, I thought I heard the commander say, Spencer, there's no way out. You'll just have to fuck it. (laughs) This struck me as odd at the time, and I never thought to look it up until your discussion of a similar subject. Sure enough, Bionic Commando, fuck the mohole. This video is not edited very well, but it clearly demonstrates that sometimes, for absolutely no reason, your commander definitely says fuck it instead of fight it. The subtitles don't even change to reflect the difference. Love the show. Thanks for reading, Eric Lehman. That's exactly what we talked about yeah, last week. It is. It's what just, game was that that you were talking about? That in? Commando Real. No, no. I mean, the one we were talking about last week. You were talking oh. about like a skeleton that just turns to you and says, fuck you. Well, that wasn't actually a thing that happened in the game. I mean, I was talking about Infinite Factory. You were saying that you wished that that would happen in, in Infinite yeah. Factory. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it turns out that it was beat to the punch by a yeah, shitty Bionic Commando game <laughs> 10 years crazy. ago. What a crazy thing. The God. best part of that game, and this is a spoiler. Well, the second best part now. Yes, the second best part of that game is that the big spoiler at the end was your new arm came from like your wife or something. Yeah, your wife is like inside your arm. Yeah, like 
mm. dopey thing. Seems cool. Definitely the second best part of it. <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, Maxwell Young writes, Dear Boost Remo, Video Games Rodkin, Famous Vanaman, and congrats Nick Brecken. How long will it be until Danielle earns a nickname? Has this even been mints. considered? Mints, man, your mints. Yeah. Already happened. Junior mints. Get on the get on the train, people here. Yeah. Already that was like happened. that was like episode one. Yeah, that was or the, two. The, one of the first times Danielle it's was on the show. Danielle era. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I love my name. <laughs> uh let's see. Here. But that was it? Uh, Corey Schroeder. I like that. What? Just, ask, that was the whole email, yeah. And answer. They yeah. were in there. Uh, Corey Schroeder writes, uh, Hey, thumb folks. Hearing the discussion of the amazing slash awful slash awful Super Mario Brothers live action movie on the recent podcast <laughs> made me recall an odd theory I've maintained over the last several years. The Mario Brothers movie would have been better if it, if it had not been called Super Mario Brothers the movie. What if the movie had been the same but changed the names of Mario, Luigi, and Koopa and kept everything else the same? I always found the movie to have, at least, a coherent and cohesive vision for its world. If it had been merely an homage to the games rather than a direct interpretation, would it have been, would it have been better received? Loving the podcast, Corey Schroeder. P.S. Hey, Jake. P.P.S. Danielle. If someone's going to try boxing, do they need to be good at jumping rope? Because I always see those in the training videos, but I'm awful at it. Also, you rock. Well, to the last point, I was pretty awful at it, too, when I started again. But yes, you usually... But now you're a boxer, which means inherently I, you know, you're a great jump roper. No, I'm not great at it, but you, you do learn with practice. And you do actually usually have to do it for training purposes. All right. So, so it's not just like a Rocky montage It's thing. not just a Rocky montage thing. We have like 20 ropes in our, in our right. gym, and that's usually a station when we're doing certain Why? training. Why? Why is that? I could guess, but I'd rather you. It's really good. Me. It teaches you to stay on your um, the balls of your feet, basically, mm. which is what you need to be doing when you're in your boxing stance the whole mm-hmm. time. And it's just really good cardio. Okay. So it's it's for that. It's for both of those Fair reasons. Enough. As far as the Mario movie, I love this idea. <laughs> I know. I don't I do think too. that the movie would have been better received, but I think that its its arc as a cult movie yes, would have just been exactly. exponentially increased yes. because people would just be like, "What is this?" That would be a midnight movie for sure, forever. If forever that movie no. had no like acknowledgement or licensed anything from mario but was had that world in it and those weird costumes and shit yeah would it 100 percent be a cult midnight film yeah so of course it would be like labyrinth or something yeah yeah no it would be it would be a weird lost henson movie yeah but of the video game like of the nintendo generation of like the mario mania era right. basically yeah, exactly um cory schroeder is a kid that i babysat when he was in kindergarten um <laughs> is that the person who wrote the person in? who actually yes. wrote in and how, do you know it's, how do you know it's the same one? Because he said, P.S. Hey, Jake. <laughs> oh, my God. I know amazing. that it's him. Um, do you know him, like, in your life now, currently? Uh, only a little bit. Like, he writes uh, sometimes for Comic Vine. He owns a comic book store in San Francisco somewhere. Um, That's awesome. That's cool. But, what comic book store does he own? Not that I know San Francisco comic book stores, but I think, it's, I think it's in West Portal. I think it's called Two Cats. Hmm. Oh, nice. um, cool. Is what's his last name? Schroeder. Schroeder. Sure I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the, I know. the name. It's really close. Wait, is that why it's called Two Cats? I don't know. No, there's um, no way. It's Schroeder. It's Schroeder. Maybe it is, though. No, no, but not. yeah, he, uh, he was like, he was a few years younger than me. Like, he was, you know, I was old enough to babysit him, but I was still like in yeah. like late elementary school or junior high or something. Yeah, but seventh grade, he was yeah. the kid who I really liked to babysit because he had a Nintendo and a Genesis, and I only had a Nintendo, and we just played video games all the time. Like, I got him hooked the on workshop this. Workshop is sequel for the Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, we, I would not be surprised if we both went and saw that movie when I saw it. Uh, I think that I was younger then. That was already, that had already come out and been forgotten. But, like, 
he was like kid that I babysat who I thought was really cool because he liked a lot of the same stuff that I liked, even though he was younger than me. Like yeah. I got oh, him awesome. hooked on Mystery Science Theater, and then he told me that Space Ghost existed a couple years later. Oh man! So like we just had '90s, slightly too young for '90s counterculture dorkouts about all of that of that <laughs> that stuff. So that's good. Thanks for writing in. <laughs> Makes me happy. Holy. That's really cute. Yeah. <laughs> I follow him on Twitter. That's cool. Yeah. Video games. Yeah. Two I think I've talked about Corey semi-anonymously as the kid that I babysat who had all I the systems I didn't I have. Very like, lightly <laughs> ringing a bell in my mind. Yeah. yeah. Weird. Um, all right. So this might be the last email because it's a little long. So Kevin Francis writes, hey, Thumbs, I've been a long-time listener of the podcast and I continue looking forward to the new episodes where I can learn about the best new hidden games on the Steam store. AAA release is coming up. Is that what we talk about? No. I don't know. What they, maybe he's writing into the wrong podcast. And mobile games that destroy my ability to make conversation with strangers on the train. I'm looking at you, Desert Golf. Okay, that okay, we do talk about. He's, he's, he's the correct podcast. The right podcast. With the handshakes out of the way, I have an observation that you may find interesting. The Resident Evil series has stood out in my gaming days as the series that always hooked me. Other than a few notable duds in recent years, I've played every game in the series to the point where I could probably draw the maps from memory. And I'm sure I'm not alone. At least I hope so. Upon hearing that the original is being remade again, I immediately pre-ordered it on Xbox Live. Then I thought about, uh, I thought what the motivating factors might be that would encourage me to play a game I've completed multiple times on multiple platforms. PS1, DS, GameCube, PC emulator, PS3 store. I came up with a simple conclusion, achievements. Going through my game library, I came to the realization that I have four copies of the original Resident Evil and the remake for GameCube. Why on earth would I need another copy of the game? Maybe the pretty new HD visuals, the improved control layout, or the ability to play on a widescreen LED display. But there's more than that to entice me to play again. I have trouble keeping my attention on a game that does not have minor progression points pinging up on the screen to tell me, good job, you did something we wanted to do, here's some points. It's a psychological satisfaction that is underused in many facets of life. But when it comes to video games, I feel it has actually taken away self-achievement. It's the feeling you get when you beat a Mega Man chapter without dying or unlock Tofu's chapter in Resident Evil 2. Nobody else knows you did so unless you show them on the console or cartridge you accomplished the goals on. It made you want to complete a game just for the personal gratification it allowed you. Unfortunately, I have succumbed to this achievement fever. Do any of you feel the same way, as if games need to tell you to feel gratified with your performance? As always, keep up the fantastic show, and thanks for your time. Um, Kevin Francis. I went through a period on the Xbox 360 where I enjoyed getting achievements. I did, too. Because it was like playing like geometry. Early on in the 360 like life, mm-hmm. I yeah. definitely did, yeah. That duck, for instance. <laughs> also super into achievos. Yeah, I was going to say, that duck is like a total but chivo. It was like a window that opened and closed. For me, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I just oh, oh, go sorry, ahead. go ahead. No, Danielle. Oh, I was gonna just say the thing that I feel is a pretty common thing. I like achievements when they actually encourage me to play a game a different way or to find something hidden or something like that. But I kind of hate them when they just reward you for progressing normally through the game. Like, oh, you you beat a chapter. Here's you know. So that's interesting. So a lot of times, for what it's worth, though, I think those those achievements are in games only because they have to have achievements in the yeah. game, so they put yeah. them in the most rote place they can to just get them done. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think it ends up creating a no-win situation because for for creating the sense of organic achievement. Because if a game, so Danielle, like you're you're saying, you like the games that that encourage you to play in a different way or find something secret. But on the other hand, that does kind of take away the uniqueness of you doing that. Like that's true, it true. completely removes any potential uh, thing that's like, oh, I totally, I'm like the one who found this thing. Not that that's likely to ever be the case in reality but like or the 100... personal sense of discovery of the possibility right yeah, yeah it completely flattens it out because you're like oh they designed this for me to do that and put a thing there that i think said that I there's, there's a the place for that works i'm not saying there isn't i'm just saying that like the the other like so there's that then there's the other kind of thing you're talking about about just like it tells you to 
you're going through the thing, which is obviously also like the opposite of what an achievement is. Like that's not, yeah. you certainly have not, not achieved satisfying. anything by, by playing through the game, but because the achievements are just required on certain platforms anyway, you're just guaranteeing that you have to do one of those things <laughs> pretty much. I mean, not that there's no such thing as good achievement design, but like it, the, the, the hard requirement that they must be in the game is like a really shitty like Sophie's choice yeah, for developers because you have to you kind of have to do one or the other like there's not a lot you know well it's yeah. there's also the third axis of this which I think a lot of developers succumb to unfortunately which is the pressure to make most achievements semi achievable because right. I think because the, people get really pissed right, off because like yeah. the best achievements are the ones that are like Daniel like the ones that you're describing but the most ludicrous ones of them where it's like it's a, it's an achievement that is a hidden achievement. That you don't know even exist in the game, but then it's like you cause a physics glitch so that your character, when holding three items, flies all the way up and mm-hmm. touches the top of the sky dome, and then the achievement comes in and is just like ha 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 holy crap, and you're like, okay, the developer accounted for that maybe happening, but it's only listed as an achievement because it's a ludicrous borderline impossibility. So when right. you do get it, you feel like you're like touching basically like you're almost like high fiving the game developer for just like you are doing something so stupid. <laughs> And well, like that, that's, that's, well, that's what I liked about that Grim Fandango tank control one that Tim put in the game. When it when it feels you know more I mean? like it's a, when it yeah but yeah I agree. It's well, that's like, funny because that one in itself is like a meta joke. It's, it's a, a meta joke, joke yeah. and it also feels like the developer explain is what this, telling explain like what this was. Tim is telling you something about the game. It's, so if you beat Grim Fandango, Grim Fandango originally shipped with these tank controls that are I guess kind of like Resident Evil. Actually. It's very much like Resident yeah, Evil, which one. are bad. Um, <laughs> like well, are heralded they're, they're, to be bad yeah, by most of us. They're Character relative, right, rather than camera relative. Yes, exactly. Right. Up makes, always makes the character walk forward from their regardless of yes. what direction that is. Yeah. Uh, but Tim Schafer has always liked that about his. That's how game. the game was designed. That's how the game was designed, and there is backlash from I think even the original team working on the game about what the controls should be. All the way, like the controls of Grim Fandango have always been sort of a thorn in its side, and I think it's always kind of like stuck in Tim's craw as well that people don't just like his what he likes. So there is, and it, like they redid the controls for the PS4 version. You can and like the, and the new PC and the just PC walk release. around. There's point and click on the PC release. But if you play with tank controls and complete the game the entire way through with tank controls, you get an achievement called like the right way to play. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, and like yeah. you know, to their credit, that's not the default method. Like if yes. you have a controller yeah. plugged in on PC or if you're playing on PS4, it defaults to camera relative, not player relative to control controls, which are a lot more natural for people who I think almost any for almost basically anyone. ever since yeah. Mario sixty four, that's how you right. expect the joystick to move a three D character around. Yeah, like exactly. it just sucks that achievements can be a really cool tool to communicate to your players something outside of the game or something like that's one layer above the game, but they're not a tool, they're a requirement, which is bullshit. Because yeah. well because as soon as they're tied into a system and they're not just a thing a developer puts in their game, as soon as it's like a shared thing that goes on your profile and there's points that they accrue. Like as soon as you do right, that, there's, there's you turn then it rules into, and a culture around. You turn it. it into a game in like the shitty sense of a game. In other words, Gamify something to be gamed. It. Yes. Right. You know, which is as opposed to something to be played. Like and it's it's a really shitty distinction. And I the Xbox three the Xbox three sixty, Xbox One version of it is definitely the shittiest of all because one, they are required, and two, do they still do this on Xbox One? There is a like maximum number per game which means you know when you've achieved the maximum number so even if you have a secret achievement strong i don't know what the actual um because that was the case on that was the original 360 360. there was yeah Yeah, i don't know if they've changed those those restrictions between points and amount that you're allowed to give and things like that but like i know the tech side for actually implementing that stuff is a lot more intense because um they're 
they the Xbox One supports incremental achievements as opposed to binary achievements. Right. So as opposed to just turning on, yeah, which oh, Steam, you walked, Steam has had for a long time. Yeah, as opposed to you walked 10 miles, it shows you, oh, you've walked mm-hmm. 9.1 miles mm-hmm. already. So yeah. you watch it go up, which is, I see the argument for that being cool, but it's way co- better as a tool for developers as opposed to a requirement for developers. Like, ugh. Yeah. I don't know why achievements have to be required. Well, but this is the other, <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing that's kind of related to that, and I, one, I completely agree with you. But on the the other additional like complicating factor there is that as soon as anything like that that ostensibly rewards a player, even if it's a totally empty reward that gives them nothing, as soon as it's optional, people will complain when you don't include it, even if it's not technically required. It's really a thing that is real, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, not that I would, I would still much rather have it not be required, but um, but that is a thing that platform. De- that's one of the reasons platform developers have to be really careful about what they introduce to their platforms. Because as soon as you put anything in there, it be- now it becomes one more thing that developers are kind of implicitly People ex- ex- always ex- effectively expect for. to get, in quotes, for free as a it, customer of that platform. Exactly. And if a developer doesn't do it, it's a lazy dev. Like, it's amazing. It's funny, though, because like only on the stuff that somehow catches. Because like, for a while, it felt like, you got to support that connect, got to support that, and then like... But that's people different, because that's, a, that's that a peripheral stuff. people have to buy, and it like changes the well, game. The Xbox One shipped with Kinect. Yeah, when it first oh, yeah came that's out. true. But yeah. like, the, eventually people just don't like it. But right? yeah. an example well, of that, requires, though, it, it requires investment from the player. Like, it's a whole big thing. But like, a hardware example of that that is like the hardware example of this generation is the Wii U TV screen. Mm-hmm. Everyone expects that you can press a button inside of a game and pop the game from the TV to just be playing 100% on that screen, but there's no API support for that. Every developer has to write their own implementation of it. But since Nintendo first party games all do it, and since right. the back of the box says, you can do this, asterisk some games, that's just expected. <laughs> Right. And, like, I don't think everyone expects every Steam game to have Steam trading cards at this point, but you're more or less expected to have all that shit in your Steam game at this point. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's dumb. I mean, mm, the, yeah. the stuff of this... There are par- there are versions of it that I think are reasonable, like Steam Cloud Saves. That's a thing that, like, sure, as a developer, you still have to support it, but it's, like, unambiguously positive. Like, I don't really... It's hard for me to come up with a reason why that would be harmful to a game. I feel like it's actually beneficial... For consumers, like it's an actual consumer benefit thing that is just good. Like that's great, but the stuff like it, like achievements, is like actually intrusive onto your game design in a way that is kind of really hard to just shrug off. Like even doing the kind of just ta- like the sort of technical minimum version of it itself is like you're sending a message. You just can't ever back out of it. You either have to not put them in at all, or you have to put them in in a way that is like making a statement. I would not give a crap about any achievement infrastructure and supporting it in any game I ever worked on if the certification requirements for achievements allowed developers to have a checkbox in their game that is default to off for the notifications to pop up. And then let customers turn it back yeah. on. But if I could pass cert on Xbox, PlayStation, uh, and have a thing that's like show achievement pop-ups when in-game, and that if I could ship a game where that is unchecked, and then a customer could turn it back on if they want, and they still get all the achievements, I don't care. They can just be yeah, cheeky, right. goofy yeah, cartoon cool. icons. Like, mm-hmm. Fine. Mm-hmm. But That'd like, be a thing that they give, could implement now the without yeah. totally re- changing any fundamental aspects yes, of their system. Yes, but I don't think that they will because, no, people, they will because achievements are 
Like every time one comes up, it's an implicit endorsement of the meta structure of why you're yes. playing this console. It reminds you uh, that you're even playing though that every console. system does it. It's not a unique selling yeah. point either. No, no, no. But it's not. It's not that it's a right, unique it's selling just, point. It's you that, see Xbox branding intrudes yes, over exactly, your game because exactly, your game is on yes. Xbox or it's PlayStation or you, Steam or whatever. It's reminding you that you're in that ecosystem right now. Right. You get a Steam achievement, and it's an implicit thing saying, "Remember, you can press Shift Tab and just pop up in the store and jump to another game." Yeah. <laughs> it sucks. I don't know. Like that. That would solve all of it for me. Like if it's just. Because it is where, it, like, the same thing as cloud saves to me in a certain degree, where it's like, that's, it's a part of the meta structure of the thing intruding on the game, but only so far that it doesn't actually literally draw on top of your creative choices. And if the achievement pop-up didn't have to draw literally on top of your game screen, I wouldn't care if it's there, because then it feels like a part of the operating system. Yeah. But just, like, the idea of of your console's OS being able to just draw a dialogue box on top of a game that people have paid for is really frustrating to me because mm -hmm. there are people who don't want it and they can't turn it off, both developers well, and on customers. Steam you can. Yeah. On Steam, can you? Oh, you, you can, I think. But Maybe you can turn them off on the consoles as well. But but the You can create like toast-safe areas, I think. I just mean yeah. players. Like, as a player, uh, can you just say, don't ever show me these? Oh, I, I don't, don't know. So. I've, I've never sat down to anyone's Xbox that is not mine and seen that they've turned I don't it think off. So. so. Yeah, hmm. I, on Steam, I think you can you can tell to not show those things, but we don't know. I, but I, it doesn't seem like a thing you can do. Toast safe areas. If toast safe. Achievement pop ups are called toasts. At least they, they are or were on Xbox. They are in the Xbox like language, official language. Yeah. So a toast safe area is a was so you can sort of shunt all of your achievement pop ups out of the game. So into, in like spoiler, when Clementine shoots Lee in the fucking face, it doesn't just be like end of game. Like but the thing. Right. <laughs> yeah, you can like, you can say they've achieved, they've achieved their achievement. Defer you can it. Turn off Xbox. That is a big spoiler. On 360. Oh, that's oh, that's, that's cool. not what I did. It's not what happened in my game. Okay, good. So you can turn them off. Cool. I should go turn I'm them off. Bleep that. But like, feel bad now. Bleep it out. <laughs> but I don't know if if, yeah. if that could be turned off per game, it would be a delight. Yeah, the I'm per, sure that the, would mean that every game developer would just turn them off. But yeah. <laughs> no, they that's would not. not true. There's a lot of game developers who would not turn them off. But I would definitely turn them off for like yeah, experiential like, single-player games. Like, just make it a tool for people to use. Yes, in anyway, a flexible we, way. Yeah. We've flipped around on this thing for achievements have yeah. been beaten to death. We should talk about achievements yeah. next week. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you email us and tell us what to talk about next week at questions? Why don't at you tell us all the ways we were completely wrong in that discussion? I'm sure there were. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Many. By tweeting at us at Idle Thumbs. Or leaving us a Facebook post at facebook.com slash idle thumbs. And we're on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash idle thumbs podcast. Danielle, you've been streaming on Twitch. I have. At, at idle thumbs. Twitch.tv Twitch slash idle thumbs. Thanks People should that. go to our SoundCloud for this episode and leave inline comments about I the moments those. the moments in which we are wrong. Just saying that's not how it works. Can't do that. I check those uh, every week. Else. We never really get yeah, them. I know. Those are fun. Yeah, I love those inline comments if you, on if, SoundCloud. If you've got a beef about our stupid achievement conversation or about <laughs> everything we got wrong about the Smash Brothers pro scene or about when the story was introduced in Mario game, just drop it in line. Just tell us we're wrong all over it. Because <laughs> it would be such an enjoyable experience for me to go back and scrub to that episode and just watch things and be like, nope, wrong. No, that's not how well, it is. Wrong. Sorry. Shut up. <laughs> you, and then the, the ones like, you got this one right, with another comment immediately after saying, no, no actually, no, no, they did not. You, you, you followed it up incorrectly. <laughs> Strike through. SoundCloud.com slash Podcast. Leave us abusive comments. I mean, nice ones if you want, but we probably don't deserve them. Thanks Bye. for listening. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by MeUndies. Sensational underpants for you and your loved ones. You can get at MeUndies.com. 
you can go to meandies.com and use the promo code thumbs to get 20% off your first order and free shipping. I think the slogan is meandies comfortable underwear for you and me. Mm. I want is the clacks undies. Underpants. Comfortable. Yeah, we got that. We got the application there. Well, it is loops. Meandies comfortable underwear for you and me. Meandies comfortable underwear for you and me. It feels like the spokesperson for Meandies should just be like some Austrian, like sassy man. He's like, ah, <laughs> oh, Meandies. You know what I mean? Who just like doesn't know how to speak English so good. <laughs> and he He's just like around. basically the voice of Heimlich, love, the caterpillar from a like, bug's oh, life. Meandies. Oh, I love how to make this more comfortable than me mother's undies. Me mother taught me how to make the undies. I have the cool styles for men and the women. Me undies. I was the nineties. <laughs> this quality would typically retail for two times the price. 